1: everybody, and welcome to episode 236 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening, and joining me as often, Eric Cole is here. Hello, sir.
0: Hey man, what's going on?
1: Ah, uh, you know, this would have been a much more somber podcast like 48 hours ago then the Braves decided to be good again for two days, so that was nice. But uh, it was not all sunshine and rainbows this week, unlike last week when Scott and I got to come on and talk about all all the good that was happening, in addition to some obviously the positional stuff, etc., This week was not as fun, Uh, beginning on Monday with what was a pretty much complete meltdown by Sean Newcomb, allowing eight runs, and then he was optioned moments after the game, essentially. Uh, And then that game was a pretty blowout loss. And then by Tuesday, we knew that Ronald Acuna was going to be out for some period of time with with his wrist inflammation. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll stop there. Obviously, the Braves lost four games in a row this week before rebounding, but uh, I think the low point was probably early in that losing streak because of the nature of Newcomb's meltdown and the Acuna news going back to back.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, it just, it felt bad because then you had, you know, a game where, you know, it kept getting worse. It felt like, you know, the game on Friday, just felt like it was like one of like the worst played games that they've played, you know, the last couple of years and Snickers said as much. It just didn't, it just None of the games felt particularly competitive. You know, you'd see like the, the offense score five runs late, and you're like, "Hey, wait, there could be a run." And then you remember that you know the starters plus like their, the first reliever gave up like 13 runs, and you know it just it felt particularly bad this week. Um, obviously, the news with Ronnie is unfortunate. You know, it didn't. It never sounded them delaying putting him on the injured list made me you know maybe it's not a super serious thing. Uh, obviously, being put on the injured list, but it being retroactive. You know, I am somewhat happy that they're at least being, you know, taking being cautious with him and just kind of letting this thing heal up so it's not something that kind of bothers him the rest of the year. But, you know, with a with a shrunken schedule, you know, every got every team, every game you have without your best player on it, you know, it's a little bit it gets really tough especially when you're already missing Ozzy and, you know, obviously the problems with the rotation. So, you know, I guess the good news is that, you know, there just doesn't seem to be anything on an MRI. There doesn't seem to be anything on a scan that makes us think that this could be something that requires like correction or a longer absence it's just one of those things where you know you get jammed up on a slide or you just you know overuse in terms of you just you know whether it be practice or whether it just be playing in the field you know taking batting practice or just a, a swing that went slightly errant it could be a lot of things and unfortunately you know it's something the Braves have to deal with but at least it doesn't sound like it's something that's too long term
1: yeah the Braves have a history unfortunately of wrist issues for key players and that led to some pessimism uh on the fan, within the fan base, and I think justifiably so. I'm not too worried about this, knocking on wood. I think that he's going to be fine, based on what I have heard. Um, that's not source information, but just what what they're saying, essentially, and the clean MRI, etc. Um, he's now on the IL after as of Saturday, but that was retroactive, so he can actually come off as early as Friday. So it doesn't have to be a super long-term absence. Obviously, every game matters, and they are not themselves without Ronald Acuna, who is, if not the best player, one of the top two players on the team. And yeah, he's uh, it's a big loss. Hopefully, everything's all right. And uh, the news could have been much worse. Like, I almost sent a uh, a message to Scott as we were awaiting information on Ronnie's wrist on Monday night, Um, just because maybe maybe it was Tuesday night, one of those nights. It was late before anybody talked, and there was that like rumbling, like not that anything that I had heard, but just like if this is serious, we're gonna have to talk about it, like right now. Like we couldn't afford to wait if it was like Ronnie's out for the season kind of news. Uh, Fortunately, we did not have to do that podcast. So. Things are looking up, yeah.
0: That, yeah, that would have really sucked, <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially considering some of the, the nature of some of those podcasts we've had to do recently. Uh, uh but unfortunately, so we're not there. Uh, it's this uh, seems more like a, a, a move where they just kind of want to be cautious, combined with maybe some roster cleanup type stuff for what we think could potentially be you know a call up, which would presumably also include some starters, but also possibly including Christian Pache. So, you know, again. I I totally get the move and I'm not, I'm not any more worried now than I was when they said that, you know, like all the scans come back, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. We're going to come back to Pache in a second, but before we come back to that, uh, just rounding out the four game losing streak, obviously Monday, they got blown out. Tuesday was a mess as well. Tukey was bad after being really good. The previous start, Um, Bryce Wilson walked four in an inning and two-thirds. That wasn't great after he was called up. Uh, Wednesday, they lose, um, basically getting down in a hole again early behind uh, Yanoa, Matzik, and Tomlin, allowing six runs in the first five innings. That was not so bad Wednesday night. And then uh, Friday, after the off day, was the other level loss. Kyle Wright implodes with six walks. Luke Jackson was bad. Uh, And by the way, in the four games that the Braves lost in a row, the starting pitching was as follows. Nine innings, 18 earned runs. That's already bad. 18 earned runs and nine innings is, guess, guess what, Eric? That's an 18 ERA. Just, just the math.
0: That's, that's quite bad.
1: Uh, 11 walks and five strikeouts. So, granted, that was the four spots without Max Freed, who was then fantastic on Saturday. But uh, it's a reminder that there are other issues between Ender and third base and whatever else you want to point to. But uh, the number one issue continues to be starting pitching, and that will be that way until further notice. Uh, Max Max Freed, fortunately, is incredible and was awesome on Saturday, but uh, the four-game losing streak was kind of just in a nutshell what the the disaster scenario is right now for this team. Even if you remove the injuries and remove the uh, relative lack of offense in a couple of those games, you just cannot pitch like that and expect to win consistently. And it's never going to be as bad as that consistently because obviously 18 ERA for four games with the starting pitchers is not – nobody no one would obviously project that but that is the reminder of how bad it could be if things go very wrong outside of freed
0: yeah and i mean it just felt like they are on that losing streak too like there was some really lazy defense particularly from like markakis and ender especially which was particularly alarming since the one thing that we kind of need him to be good at is actually catching a baseball and he's not been that um you know, when you have those things going on, too, it just kind of feels like a team that felt like it was being disheartened and, you know, you worry about that kind of festering long-term. Uh, it was really good to see, you know, back-to-back wins on Saturday and Sunday. Um, I, there's just got to make some, like, it just seems like they keep, you know, I would have thought that, like, the last rotation turn, and I think that was the last thing that you and I talked about, I'm like, this next rotation turn is probably going to tell me, you know, who's going to stay in the rotation or not. And we saw some reasons to believe that maybe we, some changes need to be made. And – Instead, it just kind of felt like they just kept running out the same guys
1: over and over again. I mean, again. They, they kind of were. I mean, I, I'm with you, um, but they obviously – they pulled the plug on Newcomb on immediately. Um, since our last podcast, Monday, Newcomb was so bad that they had to. They were forced into that. But you're right. They haven't gone with the nuclear option of, like, blowing the whole thing up. Um, they did take Newcomb out. But as we're talking now, projections this week as we look ahead uh, – and we'll wait and we'll talk about this more later. But it's Tukey Monday, Josh Tomlin on Tuesday – in the Newcomb spot, and then Kyle Wright again Wednesday. So you're talking about those three guys, plus, of course, Max Freed, and then there's that that spot where, like, Robbie Earlin was very good on Sunday, but he was dreadful in his first appearance. He was, again, awesome today with four innings, no runs, one hit, and five strikeouts. If that's the guy he's going to be, then great, but you can't bank on that, obviously. Um, everyone's clamoring for Anderson or Tucker Davidson or whoever, but yeah, they have not gone to that well just yet. I'm not sure what they're waiting on or if they're just trying to hold out for a little about a little while longer. But you're right, like as we're looking at things right now, you're looking at Tukey and Tomlin in back to back days, and that's not exactly gonna inspire confidence, even as I think this podcast no. is very pro Tukey and very pro Tomlin <laughs> in a vacuum. Well, I, but I will say that both of us are pro Tomlin. Like he's just been a really steady presence yeah. you
0: know, in whatever role he's been in. Tukey, you know, it's
1: I'm very pro k in a vacuum. He was very bad the other night. Um, yeah. And Tomlin, like even Snicker said, they don't want to use Tomlin as a starter. They don't. They just feel like they kind of have to right now. And he's pitching well. He wasn't great in his last outing, or was it two hours ago? There was one this week where he wasn't his. It quite, wasn't quite his best. And he was obviously not going to keep up the pace that he was on. Tomlin was like really cooking for the first few weeks. But yeah, it's you don't want to go into a series with the Nationals. And granted, you're going to miss the Nationals' big guns. But no one is intimidated by a Tukey-Tomlin-Wright trio in a series right now. It's just not, that's not scary for the, op- for the opposition.
0: Well, right, and I think that the idea that they don't want to use Tomlin in that role was partially because they, they just never really envisioned him as a starter. I mean, they, yeah. they signed him as a bullpen arm for a reason, but also, you know, he's a really good kind of, you know, for a rest of the rotation, which isn't exactly inspiring confidence, at least you can go, okay, after two innings, okay, let's get Josh in there, and then he can go three innings, and then you can kind of get to the rest of your bullpen back to kind of somewhat some normalcy. You know, if you don't have that option, all of a sudden, then you, you know, is Robbie Erland a guy you're going to be running out into the rotation repeatedly? I I just think that ultimately that they've had so many problems with so many of these guys. I mean, look, we've we've already seen Newcomb kind of get yanked out, but we've – like what have we seen from Kyle Wright and, you know – that has inspired much confidence Tukey has been kind of up and down. You know, I'm glad that they made the move on Newcomb because honestly the quote unquote success he had earlier in the season where he had like a seven ERA, felt like he was getting lucky just to even be that good. And that's not good at all. Well, so he was, I, he was very bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like the, I mean, obviously the last start was like a total meltdown, but he was not good. The, the early parts of the no. season, you know what I mean? Like at best he was lucky. And that's that's a problem, and I just feel like that you know they have guys on the forty-man roster, whether it be Tucker Davidson, who's obviously been kind of the the popular name because you know between his drive line successes, which seems like you know anyone that goes to drive line, you know there's this contingent of fans that just like will not stop shutting up about them being called up until they actually are, <laughs> uh, and then and then and, and and then we also have like guys like Josiel Cruz, who's on the forty-man roster. Patrick Weigel seems to be kind of forgotten amongst all this, and he was a guy that was at one point being stretched out as a starter, so. You know, how many more starts of Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright getting beat up? I mean, you have to I mean at the very least what you want is to have these guys on the active roster so where if even if you want to keep running outright to see if he can hold things down, even if you want to have, you know, Tuki get in lines, you you're gonna have to start trying some different pieces and see if they can actually stick. Because if not, then like you're you're kind of kinda of put yourself in a hole and by the time you do call up reinforcements, you're gonna find yourself behind. You know, the Braves have been kind of fortunate that the rest of the NL East has forgotten how to play baseball, but that's not going to stick forever.
1: Right. And it does feel like they on one hand, they're just waiting for I'm not sure why, but they're waiting to flip the switch and go with one of the young guys or maybe two of the young guys on the other hand. Maybe they're just trying to hold it until Hamels or something. I don't know. I'm just I mean, thinking like, out loud because <laughs> Hamels is two weeks away at best, two and a half weeks away at best. And even then, I am not expecting anything from Hamels, but maybe they are. I'm not sure what the plan is because you're right. Even if acknowledging that it worked today, obviously with Robbie Irwin pitching well, um, they they can't keep doing this, I don't think. Because, you know, even look ahead. Let's just, let's just say they, they managed to navigate this whole thing and make the playoffs. Which they're projected to do right now, widely projected to do, and I think I would pick them to make the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But let's look ahead. If you get into playoff series right now, you have one starting pitcher. I mean, yeah. it's it's that simple. And I know that Kyle, maybe maybe you think Kyle Wright's gonna figure it out, that's fine. Let's just put let's let's put Kyle Wright aside for now. Who is more likely to help you as a starting pitcher in a playoff series between, you know, Robbie Erlin or Tyler Matzik? And then, you, or or you put those guys next to Tucker Davidson or Ian Anderson. I, I think I would rather take my chances. And obviously, you can't wait too long because you don't want to be rolling out these young guys for the first time in the middle of a heated playoff race in September. Yeah, that's two not weeks ideal.
0: In, yeah, two weeks until the end of the season, you're like surprise. You know, right? Tucker getting so there. You're gonna we are pitching
1: game three against the Dodgers. You I know? mean, everyone everyone knows I'm not, I'm not the guy who's like, you know, banging on the table to, to put the young guys in. I'm not, I'm not that guy. But I think in this situation, if you think that those guys are close at all, I mean, pick your favorite one between Davidson and Anderson, especially. Just you got to try one of them. I think at some point, pretty soon here. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure why they aren't doing it. And I mean, I know you're you're the prospect guy. It's tough this year with the. I know there was a scrimmage, but there's not that much going on in terms of public information that we have right now about these guys uh, that are in the alternate site. But I mean, it can't. I, I okay. I almost said. I almost said it can't be worse. I shouldn't say that.
0: Uh. Yeah, don't put that evil on us, Brad. Davis. I just feel
1: like the ups I feel like the upside is so clearly better with the young guys. Even if I am usually someone who's skeptical of young guys who have never who have not proven anything. When the other options are you're crossing your fingers and hoping Tukey figures it out and your fifth starter right now is some combination of Robbie Erlin and Prayer. I, I don't really know. It's not you don't have a Rotation that's majorly quality right now. outside number one. I mean, you have Max Freed has been incredible, and they're undefeated when Max Fried pitches. Max Freed has been ridiculous, but even Max Freed, I'm not trying to pour on, pour on the parade here, but Max Freed can't do this every every single start. He is right now, but no one does this every single start. Like his ERA is 1.24 this season. That's not he's, he can't. He, sustain he's he's
0: going to have starts where he gives up three runs. And that's that what I happens, mean. Like,
1: you know, Saturday, Saturday, he was incredible, and he had to be, because unfortunately the Braves didn't score until very late. That game was 0-0 deep into the game. And you can't expect him to go out there and just have no margin for error every time he pitches. And it's working so far, but Max Freed's really good, and we believe in Max Freed, but he's going to have eventually a start where he gets up five runs, because everyone does that.
0: And it's worth noting that the, the offense hasn't, re- despite what it should have happened, the offense has actually been okay. You know yes. what I mean? Like we've had—I mean, like some of it's been kind of some garbage time. You know, runs that have scored, uh, particularly in that 13-8 loss. Uh, that game was actually significantly yeah, worse than that. Total garbage. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but my point is, like, you know, this is a this is a team that seems to be scoring runs, and like, you know, you maybe you can get away with not being the best pitching staff, but you can't have a bullpen game every game. Right. You know, and and, and especially when you're running out arms that are like just not getting it done.
1: So, no, the offense. The offense has been more than acceptable. It's not been incredible, but. For every guy who is struggling, you have success stories with Ozuna and Marquez has been good so far. The catchers have been good so far. There are guys who are hitting, and you can't expect the offense to just suddenly like double in production. They might be a, they might be a little bit better, obviously, when you get Ronald Acuna back and Ozzy Albies back. But this is not like a number one in the league level offense, and it, and it wasn't built to be that way either. Like you have to have starting pitching to survive.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, you know there's been a, a wide range of issues that have caused that not to happen. And I think that you have to start being aggressive. Now the, the, the elephant in the room here is service time considerations when it comes to calling up prospects. And I think you know, we're past that
1: though, right now, like super two is beyond, I think we're beyond super two. I know uh, it's, it's but it's close. And there's no, there's, is. And, there, and there's
0: arguments as the reason why you don't do it the day after you don't do the, the Chris Bryant move. For Chris Bryant. Because, yeah. <laughs> because, because at some point a team is going to lose one of these grievances, Brad. So, you know, you, maybe, maybe we start seeing a bunch of roster moves soon. Um, I, I assume that maybe coming back, you know, to home to Atlanta, that might make a certain amount of sense. But you know that we might see some moves happen. But you know, I think that might be part of the decision making. I just—it's hard for me to wrap my head around the decisions that are being made. Cause, I mean, like I, I've never thought that Inoa was a was a starter. You know what I mean? And I'm fine with trying and him they once. They don't either, by the way. Str- I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, he, and and the thing is, he got—he was not good. You know, he, like, he kind of melted down after the in the first start, and they brought him back, and he got shelled. He got annihilated. What, no, what, honestly, what, what I, anybody? I,
1: I sort of unintentionally didn't mention him before, but I think that was kind of like a Freudian slip. Uh, he's not a thing. I mean, it might work every once in a while, but ultimately you do not want to have, you know, as a starter um, penciled in your rotation. That's not a thing that they want. I think I would much rather... I mean, if the options are, if you take the young guys off the table with Anderson and Davidson and whoever else, if the options are, you know, you know, uh, Erlin and Tomlin, just throw Tomlin and hope that he can throw four or five innings. Like it's not, that's See, not great either, but. Well, uh,
0: I, I at least think that Tomlin will make it a few innings. Like that's what I the mean. guys with the guys that the Braves have been running out there have like been getting shelled and haven't made it out of the second inning. That's a tough place. To, I mean, you're down six runs and you're already into your bullpen and the second inning is a little rough. So yeah, I, I mean, good. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's been, I, I think that they're going to have to be a little bit more aggressive. I understand that there's a lot of things to consider, and I don't have any, like, special insights to what's going on, you know, at the alternate side because it's basically, you know, under lock and key there. The, the scrimmage was helpful. You know, Ian Anderson looked pretty good. He, he seems like he's getting a lot of rise on his fastball, which seems helpful. Uh, I know that Langoliers and uh, William Contreras homered in, in that game. Uh, you know, Muller didn't look as great, but, was you know, he was throwing pretty hard, so at least that's there's they have that going for them but i mean other than that you know that information is really tough so i don't want to like say like well these guys are clearly ready why aren't they getting called up because that's not fair uh, especially for the guys that aren't on the 40-man roster that's that's kind of a big move to make for any player but it's i mean i'm just looking at these guys and what they're doing and i'm like they can't be looking that much better in their bullpens (laughs) to to make you think that like well maybe this is the one-star hiccup no you know it's you know it's it's Charlie Brown with the football all over again. You know what I mean? Like at some point you're just, you know, making a fool of yourself thinking that there's something else there that there isn't.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. Um, we've done enough on the pitching piling on. We have plenty more to discuss, but before we get to all of that, a break here to hear from our sponsors on today's pod. All right, Eric, we're back. And uh, we mentioned every game, at least in brief until today. So I know we talked about Robbie Erlen, but to change gears i have to ask you what your reaction was to freddie freeman hitting second now it was one game it was a sunday no acuna no Albies, etc but snicker did say after the game that he might do this more which i find really encouraging and we've called for freeman hit second for a long time uh this is the first time that he has hit second since 2011 and it was april 2011 uh I'll just leave it there. What what was your reaction? Because mine was like, I thought that, I thought that someone messed up the lineup tweet. That's where I was. So I was very happy about it,
0: um, and I'm not going to get into all the reasons. I mean, we've we've talked at nauseum about optimal lineup lineup construction and why certain guys should be not should be hitting at the top of the order and certain guys shouldn't be. You know, some of the some of that has turned into memes. Some of that just doesn't make much sense. Just to kind of dwell on too much. I will say this when Ronald Acuna is healthy, I think the chances of Freddie Freeman hitting second are almost nil. Like I'm willing, to, I'm willing to bet money on it.
1: I would also bet that that won't happen. I'm hoping because of what he said, like, he had no, he had no reason that he would have to say that he might do this again. I tend to agree with you. Cause my guard's always up. Um, and people were asking for our, for like our lineups of what we would do to have Freeman hit second. Cause now that it happened, it might be real. Um, I tend to agree with you that he won't do it with everybody healthy, but I would just hit Ronnie first and Freeman second and then go yep. from there. Uh, that's what I would do. That's what I've been saying the entire time. Um, and honestly, with all respect to Ozzy Albis, who's really good at baseball— hitting him second against right-handed pitching is not the greatest thing in the world. Cause he's like a pretty average hitter against right-handed pitching. Um, especially so, lately.
0: I mean, it's kind of hard yeah. to compare because he looked particularly bad at the start of the year. Oh, He so. was terrible,
1: which I'm not, I'm not worried. Like he was, he was bad. He was also hurt and whatever else I'm, not, I'm, I don't worry about Ozzy. I'm just saying in a vacuum with what we know about him, he's not a great hitter against right, against right-handed pitching. He just not. So yeah, I, I would just go, you know, ronnie then freeman and then you could go ozuna if you want to keep going right left right left you could go to ozzy or you could go to whatever you want to do like they used they they, they used Darno at number two the other day which i was like kind of encouraged about because he's been he's been pretty scalding hot i don't know i don't have huge takes on this we don't, have, we don't have to go through the whole lineup i i did appreciate though as you know we're often hard on snicker i appreciated him trying this and then at least being open to doing it again. Now the rationale he said was something about the DH, which I didn't really follow. I don't really get that. Um, but I don't care about the rationale. If, if 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 he's willing to do it, that's that's good. I expect, like you do, that if Freeman will hit third again once everybody's back. But uh, I was surprised and uh, pleased, is the way I would put that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, you want your best hitters to get the most plate appearances possible, and you know, moving him up was, was a good thing. And, I'm, and I am was happy about it. I'm just not – I have very you. low confidence that that's going to be something that stick at all,
1: like <laughs> yeah, very, I'm very low. I'm with you all the <laughs> way on that, but it, it could happen. It's not impossible. Not, not that we've seen it. We saw it in a major league game today. So I will uh, take that as a win. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing about today, other than Robbie Erland being great, was the bullpen was, again, really good. And then uh, Ozuna and Markekis break it open in the seventh Um we should credit. Uh, we I should credit Marquez. Like people were kind of doing the thing that we always do with Marquez when he had the uh, the first run batted in on, on a single. I guess a right-handed pitcher, but credit him. He doubled off a lefty today in a big spot, and that was the biggest and swing we, of the day. So, yeah, to him. And, and and yeah, and it was like a, it was like it was a rope
0: too. It really should have been a three-run double, but ozuna because a was very slow. Yeah, he, like, well, he's certainly he's certainly not fast. I'm not going to say he's like crazy slow cuz no, <laughs> we 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 we've, we know we've seen we've seen crazy slow. Like but he certainly isn't fast.
1: He's uh, not my atoms or anything, I, but he he's I, not he's not a fast man.
0: No, he's not he, no. He <laughs> first to home is going to require more than just, you know, a liner it's going to require a little bit of rattling around in the corner i, I think um,
1: even on the call like I, I didn't see the i wasn't listening to the broadcast live when that happened but people were saying that they somebody even called it a free run double in the moment it's like nope not with marcel on first i mean if you're
0: talking about the radio broadcast i mean um, if you're were if you weren't listening to the tv broadcast you i was not yeah you, you, you'd be glad that you didn't because they, they were in, they were they were in peak form um, I, I do want to just call out Ozuna because honestly, like without Ozuna right now, like this team's below five hundred. He's been very—I mean, like he's had—he's no. certainly—he's certainly a bit streaky, but like, the, like, and obviously, look, the, the defense that we thought was going to be passable, as it turns out, like yeah, the, bad. The stuff about the stuff about his arm was was real and like now that we've seen him like out there in the field and actually like playing balls that like, he is not good out there and i you know just keeping the dh and only put him in the field under very specific circumstances no but, i was you know, i was wrong about
1: that i mean i will yeah. own that i am sometimes wrong and that's what happens i was pretty defiant about that and he he is bad uh there's no question about it like Marcus is better than him i think and i said the opposite yes. of that so i'm i was wrong I'll, I'll own that um but to the bat like he has a 131 WRC plus right now. He's slugging over 500. Ozuna has been everything that, that they possibly could have asked for at the plate so far, and he, that's been huge. Given what they haven't gotten from other guys, and Marquez has been really good too. Like I'm, I know I mentioned these guys in passing earlier, but I tweeted about it. You have Ozuna, Marquez, and both the catchers have just been huge. Because you know freddy has been Freddie for the most part. He had sort, sort of a slow start. He's been he's still he's still been pretty good for even by his standards. Acuna was good before he got hurt, but it's the, it's the supporting guys. Like, and Ozuna is better than a supporting guy. He's like a fringy, starish guy at the plate. But, you know, Marquez, the catchers, et cetera, you have to get some value offensively from guys that you may not be fully banking on. And Marquez is like a 145 WRC plus right now. He's been really good. Um, and the catchers, like Darno, I mentioned before, he's been just lighting the world on fire. Flowers has been good. You know these guys are unsung Adam Duval has been Adam Duval in the way that we always thought he would be so Dan has been up and down, up and down too last few games he's
0: yeah, he, yeah. Well, the last couple of games, like he had, he had a, he had a three hit night on Wednesday, I think, and then he had a couple of hits today. So I mean,
1: yeah. he's been doing what he's supposed to do. No, it's, it's it was just funny because you know early, and we we did this too, but well, yeah, um, Dansby was on fire out of the gate, and everybody starts writing there is this the year for Dansby Swanson pieces, and then he immediately cooled off again. But he's been fine. I mean, it's not like he's been bad at all. He's been perfectly fine. Uh, Duval's had a couple big spots, like his overall production's been like league average at the plate. But if you throw that in with like some clutch power and pretty good defense that's perfectly fine um there are issues still we should oh, let's just do this now real fast when we've done the last couple podcasts the two spots on offense you know we spent most of the first half of the podcast on the rotation that is the biggest issue and we're not saying otherwise that is the biggest issue everyone agrees on this but you have center field and you have third base so you and i did a full back and forth on Ender and Ciarte and Christian Pache, etc, we 2 weeks we ago. Got, we got, we got, we
0: got we got made fun of for how nice we we were to each other for just green. We, we, we
1: were having a nice off, which is always fun. Uh <laughs> Not no, the it's, old off. Uh I think I'm going to be wrong. Uh Ender has been even worse since then. Uh I I tend to trust veterans, but he has been so bad that even I've lost faith. Uh, right now he has a 40 wrc plus for the season. His slash line is 185 267 and 222 and I think almost more importantly for me is his defense has not been very good. Like, it's not terrible, but he's grading out as a average or below defensive center fielder. And with the bat, this is very obvious, but with the bat, you cannot afford him to be anything but really good defensively, and he's not been that so far. So I know why they're still playing him now without Acuna. I, I right. get it. I-, I know there's some frustration in, like, just play Adam Duvall there or whatever. I get that too. Like, if they just pulled Ender and said, we're done with this, I would totally understand it, even now without, without Acuna. Until Acuna comes back, the only thing that I would do with Ender is play him unless you call up Pache. I would not just go Adam Duvall in center field every day this week. That I would not do that, because Ender is still a better defensive player than Duvall in center, I think. That's my guess, anyway. And, I don't know, it, let's just say this now, Ender just might be done. And I'm not I'm not saying it's definitely the case, but even with the money on the, on the books for next year... There's a certain breaking point where they cannot keep putting a guy that does this every day. Because right now, he's a sub-replacement player. He's he's very bad. So, we're there, probably. I mean, I'm, I, I feel bad because on one hand, we were probably skeptical of Ender early on when he was scalding a few years ago and getting 200 hits. Then we were probably high on him, and now I try to defend him, but it, it might be over.
0: Well, I mean, look. When the Braves signed that extension, I mean, considering the overall production you're getting, I mean, he, they got a great deal on him. Yep. You know, what I mean, Especially if he was just like a, you know, a a meh hitter, but still good defensively, like that contract is still great. And, and we but, said that.
1: I mean, that's all he, yeah. all. he all he has to be is like a semi-average hitter, and he's just not that right
0: now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's boy, he's definitely well below that. And my concern has been not just that like he's lost a step. It's that it almost looks like low effort, like just not trying to make plays or like kind of being distracted. And that's super frustrating for a team that's already scuffling, just trying to make it through game by game. You know, each little game that they can win during this stretch where everything's going wrong is going to make a big is going to be a big deal down the stretch when all of a sudden you have all of your guys healthy and you're trying to, you know, get a playoff seating where you don't have the Dodgers in the first round again, which is what it looks like. It's going to sit what it looks like right now. I mean, I'm not sure if it's changed, but my point is, is like, you know, when you're trying to get the the playoff seating that you're wanting and trying to avoid certain teams, uh, et cetera, et cetera, you know, getting these little extra wins here and there where you really didn't have any business winning, those things matter. And, you know, he has not played like a guy who's trying to get those, you know, a lot of lazy rollers, a lot of lazy plays on, on fly balls center, and that's not going to work for a team that has real aspirations this year, especially when everyone's healthy and in theory they can find some starting pitchers that can pitch more than three innings. Right. Um, you know, he's bad. And and he's bad. I, I, it's
1: it's it's tough. It really is tough for me to like bury a guy based on this kind of sample because even with I know this season feels, feels like it's like never ending right now, the sample size is still very small for everything this year. Sure. And he doesn't have to just be done, but with every every passing day. It doesn't. It doesn't look great. He's not that old either, and that's the thing about like, if someone that was in his mid thirties was like this, everyone would just be like, "All right, he's too old. He's over." But he's not that old. It's just kind his, of baffling. A,
0: his average exit velocity is something like seventy five miles. No, it's really, it's fast. really
1: bad. Like, I, I mean, mean, like,
0: I'm pretty sure I can hit balls harder than that. I'm not <laughs> saying that I like. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, my sample size might be two. You know, where the where I managed to run into a ball, but I could hit a ball harder than that, and I, it's it. It's just bad swings, bad at bats. Bad it's like it's worse than the league levels. And, and I, getting, I saw a stat getting, the other. He's getting significantly slower too.
1: Right, he's not running well. I saw a stat the other day. I'm not sure if it still holds now, but at one point he had the lowest exit velocity of any um, player that qualified um, this season in the in the entire major leagues. So it's it's as bad as it seems at the plate. Um, transitioning a little bit, obviously. We're not going to do an emergency podcast for Pache. Like, he might be called up tomorrow, and we're not going to come out and do this because we've already done it for three straight podcasts. So let's just do it a little bit now. Uh, currently, at this moment in time, Sunday night, the Braves have 16 pitchers and 12 position players on their roster, which is one of the reasons why people people are thinking that maybe Pache is coming soon. He may not be, but he may be. So, Eric, we don't know this yet, but if they call it Pache, if they call it Pache, let's just do the whole thing where we just talk, where we talk about, like, expectations because obviously I'm more skeptical than about everyone. That's a prospect usually, but I think we can uh, now be pretty comfortable in saying that defensively he'd be pretty good. Uh, But what should people expect if this week, for instance, they were to call up Christian Bache?
0: Well, I think the first thing people are going to recognize with that is that he is a much bigger guy than I think people think he is. Uh, He kind of gets the rep of being like the, the super fast center fielder, uh, you know, and those crazy good defensive defenders aren't necessarily built like Pache in a lot of cases, but he is a not a small guy, you know, big frame, uh, looks like he could play be hitting in the heart of an order as opposed to at the top of one. Um, you know, the, the approach right now is that he's, he's hitting more line drives than he would. He's gonna, he pulls a ball a whole bunch. He's very fast. Uh, the c- center field he's in, he is quite good. He'll make a lot of plays that are hard, look easy. Um, He does have a lot of raw power, but I'm not sure, especially starting off, uh, that we're going to see a whole lot of it just because I think that he's still going to be getting his legs under him. I don't honestly anticipate him being super awesome at the plate. I I, I do think he's more like a 240, 250 hitter maybe when he first comes up, something, something in that range where you'll, you'll see some upside and you'll have games where he looks amazing, but just have some games where, you know, he, you will look like a rookie. He will look like a really young guy who gets fooled by, you know, a particularly good pitcher who kind of knows, you know, has been reading the scouting reports and kind of knows kind of how to go at for, go after him. Um, you know, you'll see ground balls. that He'll get really close to beating out. And, you know, depending on how those go, what kind of impact his overall line looks at, but overall you're a guy who he's a guy that in theory could be a five tool guy, but the hit tools, the big question mark, um, you know, he's going to be a really good defender from day one. I feel strongly about that. Uh, he has the speed, uh, doesn't necessarily have the the experience to be a particularly great base sealer. But, you know, those first to third, first to home type situations, second to home type situations, he's really, really good. in And it really plays in the field, too, uh, has has above average raw power. I just don't think that's going to play. I think that's just not something that's going to be his until he gets kind of better at the plate. Um, and he's certainly not going to walk as much as we want. And that's going to be pretty frustrating.
1: Yeah, that's that jives with what I understand. Obviously, you've seen a lot more than I have, so I'm, I'm going to defer to you on on all of this stuff. I, I think people, I'll just do my usual disclaimer. Uh, he is a top level prospect. That does not mean that he's going to be incredible right away. That's just that's what I will say. If he comes up to struggles for a week, people are going to freak out, and they shouldn't do that because most prospects don't come in and light the world on fire. And um, he is a very good prospect, but he's not Ronald Acuna Jr., so you can't expect that that, that level of production. So. That's that's the short version, Eric. I just want to say that out loud for people about to no, get into that. No, too upset.
0: Ab- ab- absolutely. He, he has all the talent in the world to be one of the like best players on this Braves roster. Yeah, but he's very raw, so kind of temper your expectations in terms of what you expect to see the first time you see him on the field.
1: Uh, he's twenty-one years old as well, so just like keep yep. that in mind. He's very young, and uh, not everyone comes up that early. And it's uh, he he might be good right away. That's possible, but. Maybe. There you go. Okay. Um last thing, last major thing anyway, is uh third base is still not going well. Uh for the season, Austin Riley has a 35 WRC+. Plus. And beyond good. that, and beyond that, uh since his fabled hot streak early when he came up last year, he has a 55 WRC+ plus and about 300 plate appearances. Now, that's a half season or so. That's very bad. Now, It doesn't mean that he's going to have to be bad forever, but there are some real, uh, there's some, there's some vibes out there right now. He does not look good at the plate. In my opinion, um, the numbers are bad. The power is obviously there. His raw power is not in question, but everything else kind of is at this point in time. And then you you throw that in with Camargo who has been better. He had a home run this week. Uh, he has been better than Riley pretty clearly. And obviously they're, they're both playing some right now because Camargo has been playing second base, um, on occasion or at least semi-regularly. But, uh, the fabled third base battle is uh, being lost on both sides right now, which is not what you want.
0: Yeah, I mean, neither players playing particularly well. I mean, I had kind of earlier on in the season, I was like, let's just do, if you're if we're watching these two, choose between these two guys. You know, go with Riley because at least it feels like there's more upside, and the bats have looked better. Uh, that hasn't that just hasn't been the. I mean, like it's not like Camargo's bats have been looking amazing. He's just run into a few here and there, but you know, O'Reilly, it's just like now it seems like he's struggling with fastballs, too. And, you know, he'll still have good at-bats. But then we're seeing more of those at-bats where he's just dismissed in four pitches and it just doesn't look like he can catch up with a pitch or he's guessing wrong. And, you know, now it looks almost like a confidence thing. Um, Defensively, I think I like him better at third. But overall, I mean, I just – one thing that I keep thinking about is that as badly as those two guys have played – how Charlie Culberson has not found playing time speaks a lot to <laughs> what the Braves must think of him and what he's even doing on this roster.
1: Well, yeah, like, the combination—I I, I mean, the combination of that—that's a good point. I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up because you have this guy who you're carrying as one of again only twelve position players on the roster, and he basically just never plays, and nope. and you have a com- you have the combination of third base being a disaster and Ozzy being hurt, and he's still not playing. And, like, Hechevarria is better, so I'm okay with Hechevarria playing. But there, it's gotten so bad that people that I think are smart are, like, thinking out loud about Hechevarria as, like, a regular third baseman for this team right now. I'm not saying that that, 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 that should happen, but at a certain point, you have to think about, like, out-of-the-box options. I wouldn't go there just yet. I think you just play Camargo. Even if you bail on Riley, and I, I don't know if I would yet, but uh, I'll, I'll let you answer that in a second. But even if you did that... You can kind of just go to Camargo and hope that it works, but uh, you know how how long do you let Riley play regularly before you have to pull him and try something else? Because you know normally you would just send him to send him to Gwinnett and try to figure it out, but that's not exactly a normal situation right now. Well,
0: yeah, and there's just not a great fill-in option. I think that the idea that basically you don't have to make a decision until Ozzy's back, right? Like and that's 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 the biggest thing is that you you aren't really forced into that decision, unless you really like unless you just go with Echeverria at second and Camargo at third. Um, I just don't know how much upside there is in that lineup, and I will say that I like I I still think that Austin Riley can be a good baseball player. I I do think that I just don't you know and that this is kind of famously what you know Anthopolis has said is that you know they think he's going to be good they just don't know when. Um, they think he's going to be the everyday guy. They just don't know when, and that's the tricky part is just that he just can't figure it out. And if he was even doing just a little bit better, we wouldn't even be having this conversation, but he's, it's been a struggle and he's going to need to kind of really kind of put together a few good games here before he can, you can kind of feel like, okay, we can give him a little bit more rope because again, right now, a, an infield of Echevarria and Camargo does seem better than what they've been running out there right? so, so far. And when Ozzy comes back, I just don't know how you can give him playing time, especially with a 35 WRC+, plus. that's not playable.
1: No, it's it's, it's not nice. playable, especially, I mean, for anyone. 30, I mean, 35 is not something that even I am, as, as a skeptic of Riley, he's not that bad, because almost nobody is. I don't know, I don't think But it's just, um, again, you're talking about a half-season sample where he's been a very, very bad hitter, and that's not nothing. It's not it's not damning to where he just like is not a thing anymore, but at a certain point it gets to be uh, tough to play him on a regular basis. So we'll see. Could be a big week there, especially because if Ozzy's coming back anytime soon, I think they at least you're hearing that he might be close ish, and he can come off the uh, the IL whenever. Now, uh, yeah, that would might, that might actually push some changes. Okay. um... Let's look ahead to the week a little bit before we get out of here. Uh, I said before, the Braves do have the Nationals back at home on Monday. And by the way, that's one of the reasons people think that Pache might be coming up Monday is because it's a home series and the Braves are on the road. That would make some sense. I'll say that. We don't know that. Just saying. that has been speculated on. Uh, but they'll be at home against the Nats. Big series, obviously, because the Nats is always a big series. Uh as ugly as pitching matchups could possibly be with, 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 between these two teams because the Nationals don't have any of their guys. They don't have Scherzer. They don't have Corbin or Strasburg uh, projected in the series. And then, of course, the Braves, Tukey, Tomlin, and Wright. I don't know, man. And then uh, off on Thursday, and then three <laughs> more at home.
0: So, I mean, the, the Nationals have looked really bad, man. They're not good. <laughs> like, no. I mean, Philly, like, he has moments. But, like, that, that Nationals team. Man, and I say that now that I've said it out loud, like, they're going to look significantly better in the series just because I said it out loud, but like that national scene was not, I, I'm surprised. I mean, like I didn't, I, I, whenever we did our predictions, I was like, you know, I just wasn't as high in the nationals. I just kind of felt like the, this division felt like it was the Braves to lose. I just didn't realize how rough the nationals were going to, I mean, look, when you have, uh, you know, Strasburg, you know, being out with a nerve issue and Scherzer looking human, like it's just, that's not a good situation, but. I mean, that team doesn't look very good. <laughs> they just it don't. does
1: I mean, they. It's everything. Small sample size. I don't, they're not just suddenly terrible. But if you if you can play the Nationals and not have to see any of their top pitchers, that's probably advantageous. On the flip side, Freed's not pitching for the Braves, <laughs> so uh, well, yeah, we'll see and,
0: what and and Juan Soto is still Juan Soto over there, so you might want to you know tread lightly when you're pitching to him, but you know, on yeah. that you might be okay.
1: Uh, Well said. Uh, And then, as I said before, Thursday, they're off again, which is nice. And then three at home against Philly. Um, You know, even with the hiccup this week, the Braves are still projected to win somewhere in the low 30s by all the major systems. That will get you in the playoffs uh, almost certainly. Obviously, the projections also have the Braves getting in the playoffs like 80% of the time or higher. The bar is, of course, low on the playoffs this year. You might get in with like 28 wins. But if you, if you break 30, you're getting in, almost certainly. Uh, and we're updating that every week because every game matters so much. And when you lose four in a row, it gets a little bit dire. But then they actually win the last two, and now the Braves look fine again, especially compared to the division. The Marlins, I think we all understand, are not going to be a contender, I don't think.
0: Uh, <laughs> no. And they the last couple games, it kind of felt like they were – they looked a little bit more like the team I thought they were gonna be. So yeah,
1: they had they've had such a weird season so far. Uh in-, in the standings, they're still number one at the moment at nine and six. Uh the Braves are better than the Marlins. I feel comfortable saying that out loud, even with the pitching issues. Uh Philly is one game under at the moment. Washington is eight and eleven, and the Mets are nine and fourteen. The Mets might just be dead at this point, given what they did at the start and their issues roster-wise. I wouldn't bury either Philly or Washington at this point. We'll see what happens. But the Braves even with everything that we've said about the rotation and third base and center field going 13 and 10 to start the season is not a small thing. They've won the games that they needed to win. And from this point forward, they have uh, 37 games left in theory. If they get to all of their games, if you go like 16 and 21, you make the playoffs, I think so. So, that isn't the only goal. You want to win the division, of course, and you need to be better than that to win the division. But if you go again, like, you know, go 17 and 20 and you're probably in.
0: Yeah, it sounds about right. Which, again, feels good, but is also kind of sad.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is sad. I mean, it's just very weird. And I'm not even sure how to talk about it because, you know, I post the playoff odds every few days on my Twitter on, on the same thread and all that stuff. And the, the playoff odds are, they seem so ridiculously high for a team that isn't playing that well I mean, they're playing fine but under no circumstances they would not be 80 plus team to make the playoffs this year with this current roster and their setup but the bar is a lot lower and right now they're still the division favorite in the minds of every system that i've seen because of they have a two-game lead on philly and a three-game lead on washington and they're not worse than those teams even with pitching they're not i don't think they're actually worse so if you stake somebody to a two three two or three game lead in a short season that's huge
0: yeah, absolutely. And I would I would actually argue that the it's not like Philadelphia and Washington don't have their own real warts that they're having to work through too. Yeah. So I mean it's not like that they're just they have the guys that we thought would be better than they are and they're just underperforming. I mean, like there's they they have some real issues. So I mean I I still I do think Atlanta's the best team in this division. Uh it's certainly gotten a little trickier, uh, given the recent events, but you know, I do think that a certain amount of things will stabilize and, you know, some of this incredibly bad luck. The Braves have been, have kind of been experiencing over the last week and a half or so. will kind of come back a little bit. And, you know, again, I, I think the Braves are going to win this division. Uh, I don't think there's any chance that Miami wins it. Um, and if Probably that, if not. that happens, yeah. Yeah. If that hap- if that happens, then, you know, 2020 is going to be an all timer, but
1: I would say uh, provided the Braves have Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies at full strength sure they are they are the best team in the division uh in my opinion now if if they're if either one of those guys is limited or not playing the playing field is considerably lower uh, sorry leveled because of the fact that the braves have such a mess in the, in the pitching rotation if they had soroka if they had you know if 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 if, if but if they had more of the guys that, that we thought they were going to have they'd be uh, in a more in a more comfortable spot uh we'll see on the pitching to bring things full, to bring things full circle from earlier Uh, That's the thing that we all have to watch for. It's the number one talking point, and it should be the pitching is a mess. uh, And we'll see what happens this week because you have the next three games without Max Fried and this whole series against Washington. If the Braves can go out and get something from Tukey and or Kyle Wright, you'll feel better probably. But if they don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, Anthopolis is is already going to be on the horn. And by the way, the deadline for trades is two weeks from today or tomorrow. We're two weeks away from the deadline. Which is crazy, but they have to do something or at least try to do something. Well, I was we're, about we're,
0: say, I, I think the problem is just that with so many playoff spots. Oh, and he like, said that too. I thought, I thought yeah, was, a, it was has been
1: pretty candid about that. Honestly, like in a way that's refreshing to hear his candor because you know I, I'm not someone that likes to carry. I mean, I, I don't carry water for the front office. If they do something silly, we're, we're going to say it. But logistically, there's only a few teams that don't have any chance to make the playoffs. So once you're once you're trading with one of those teams. It's a lot harder. Like one of the fabled uh, options to trade for is like is Matthew Boyd for Detroit, and he's been god awful, like god awful. Um, like there's Alex Cobb gets mentioned, but the, the Orioles are twelve and nine. Like they're not trading, they're not trading anybody right now. It's just weird, man. This whole situation is so bizarre. By the way, the Cardinals are four and four. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's August sixteenth. The <laughs> Cardinals are four and four.
0: Yeah, four and four and what they have to play, how many games they down the stretch. I mean, the, the Marlins are aren't far behind them with the amount of doubleheaders they're going to have to play too. Uh, it's, this it's this September is going to be is going to be one to remember for sure. The it Braves is. are actually going to have days off and Miami is going to be playing, you know, 30 games in 21 days or something like that. And the, Cardinals, Car- the Cardinals, the Cardinals are Cardinals-
1: averaging uh, if they play all their games that they're scheduled, the Cardinals have to average 10.8 innings per day the rest of the season. Per day, just, that's insane. Yeah, aren't aren't they playing like an
0: entire series in like one day or something like that? Like, uh,
1: there's uh, lots of weirdness happening with the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, we, that's a whole podcast in itself. And by the way, there was a, a postponed series this weekend: Reds and Pirates. Uh, they're, talking about, they're talking about going to a bubble, maybe now for the playoffs, which I would embrace. I think if they can pull that off, it's a good idea. Uh, Depends on where they it put it. Happen, but yeah, that's a good point. And what the uh, situation is, um, honestly. The place where they should try to put it, they would never let them put it, and that's Toronto, because Toronto has a hotel <laughs> literally in the stadium. Um, guys, and, and the, the and the Canadian government would not let any of those
0: teams. Well, cross that, the and that's what I mean. I mean because they won't even let their own team do it.
1: Right. The NA, the NHL is obviously doing the two bubbles system in Canada, and it's working out well. Um, but Toronto, I'm sure this is they're not the only one, but Toronto literally has a hotel in the stadium. It's there's like rooms where you can watch games in the, it's not like the omni where it's next to the stadium it's actually in the stadium um and if you just took over that hotel and that ballpark that's not being used right now that's a bubble spot for me but anyway uh we'll see what happens last thing i promise before we get out of here i have to just say that jesse franklin is out of the player pool and that's yes really i knew it was coming Yep, it's really he, he, made really, and he,
0: and he made a really and he made a real he made a really good catch, too. So I'm He glad made a great that...
1: running catch. I captured it. Uh I was I, I was able to see it. It's now stored in my heart forever. Uh obviously this is something of a bit right now, but Jesse Franklin is my guy. Uh he is my Mike Soroka for you. He is the chosen one. I have. Jesse Franklin is my guy, and uh he is now a thing. And by the way, the player pool, people thought that, that he was like being called up, and that's not the case. He's not call- he's not being called up. I promise. He's a He's a rookie. He's not coming up anytime soon, but uh, I believe.
0: Yeah, and uh, all listeners should hope that Jesse Franklin ends up playing regularly for the Atlanta Braves because to see the amount of attention that Brad would pay to this guy's development over a period of time until he made it to the major leagues would be prime Twitter content, prime prime podcast content, too. Listen, so. I'm,
1: I'm going to be joining the minor league staff if they actually have minor league games next year. Just I got, to, I, I'll I be you. on the Franklin beat will be yeah, he he has, uh,
0: uh, whatever level he's on, I'll just make sure you do the recaps for those. Uh, if yeah. Except if he's not, if he's not in the lineup, then I'm not going to stick you with it. I
1: need like I need him to be in Gwinnett sooner rather than later, so I can go to games because I'm not going to I'm not going to Rome very often. Uh, apologies to Chris, I'm not going to Rome very often, and uh, I'm not driving anywhere else. But if he's in Gwinnett yeah. pretty soon, like, I'm, I'm in. See, I like I I love going to Rome. I need to get. It's out just to too far for me. me. I'm uh, with That's you. fair. I, if, I have, uh, if I didn't have my day job, I go to Rome. Uh, I've been to Rome; it's a nice place. Uh, I actually almost interned there in college, but um, re- just logist- logistically, I don't want to go there that often. Uh, sure, but yeah, give me give me Franklin and Gwinnett, and also allow me to be in because right now he's in Gwinnett, and I can't go watch him, which is unfortunate. But
0: yeah, well, even the, even when when games are playing in Gwinnett, it's a little bit tricky in terms of you know beyond just buying a ticket and going to a game.
1: But. Yeah, which I which I'm happy to do. I have done in the past. Uh, Yeah. All right, Eric. Well, we've done enough on the show, I believe in this, uh, twisting world. It's an interesting week coming up. I mean, anytime the Braves play the Nats and the Phillies back-to-back series, it's big because they're division rivals. And they're the two teams that I, that we think anyway, are the biggest challengers to the Braves in the division. So big week. Yeah. uh, winning record this week, probably like
0: as much as a series can matter this early slash late in the season, uh, like this week is like, if they go like four and two, five and one somehow, you know, that, that feels very encouraging. I won't say it like, you know, it ties, it, it really kind of puts them in the driver's seat or anything because the series, this season's weird and obviously thing, crazy things keep happening. So I'm not going to like make any too many prognostications about it, but I, I like a good week this week would go a long way towards forgetting about this past week and putting the Braves in the spot where they can kind of really kind of be in a very good position the rest of the season because then you're you kind of have gotten some of these season series out of the way with some guys that teams that would need to need those series to catch up with you down the line and you're also going to be a team that's going to have more days off down the stretch than those teams are you know it's this week feels important and you know when you look at the rotation the Braves have you are just kind of hoping the Braves just you know score 12 runs a night and then call it a day.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Go get some wins this week. Um, That'll probably do it for today. I believe. Uh, as a reminder, if, or if, as an explanation, maybe if you saw a uh, a rogue podcast in our feed this weekend, uh, we're, we're going to be posting the audio only version of uh, of Grov talking on his video podcast. So that episode, uh, yes, that uh, yes, went up on yes. Saturday. Uh, I have another one to put up uh, early this week with Michael Harris. If you if you already watched the videos, that's cool. If you can go ahead and download it anyway, that uh, that would also be cool. Um, but yeah, if you're missing anything there, that's what that is. And uh, we had a couple requests actually from readers slash listeners to uh maybe listen to listen on their commute and it's easier to do that in audio than it is video so we go ahead and uh, do that for you it'll be in the feed and uh, that explains that eric you have anything else going on that you want to plug in life right now i know it's kind of weird still but uh, anything you got going on
0: i mean we've got the uh minor league roundtable question uh articles that we've been posting i think that the if we haven't posted all of them then they will be all posted by the end of tomorrow uh, where we kind of just answered some general questions, you know, whether it be Pache or who we're we going to be impact prospects, call ups, et cetera, et cetera. So we've been, that's kind of what we've been working on for the last week or two. Um, beyond that, I mean, we're still kind of coming to grips with kind of how to deal with minor league content. We're still kind of keeping an eye on call, call- ups and things like that, and we've got some things that are kind of waiting to happen for you know call ups other than you know the Bryce Wilsons and Tuki Tussans and all that stuff of the world. You know, to in terms of the rotation, in terms of Christian Pache, et cetera, et cetera. So we're gonna do a lot of that preview content and you know analysis as that stuff comes up. We hope to learn some more things about what's going on at the alternate site, but again, it's kind of a weird situation over there where getting any information seems really, really difficult, which is problematic when you want to make trades at a trade deadline and no one knows what's going on <laughs> with those guys. Yep. Um. So you know that, that, that that's a, there's a lot of logistics to the short, but the short answer is that we've got some short-term projects and we've got some long-term projects and you know hopefully we'll be able to get those under underway soon but for right now we're kind of uh almost in the dark almost as much as you guys are although we've been hearing a couple things here and there
1: yep there you go uh follow eric follow the minor league guys read all of the content on talking follow me as well if you'd like to at bt rolling follow eric at leprechaun etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh please subscribe to this podcast it'd be a huge thing if you would go ahead and do that a lot you already have and thank you very much for doing so but tell a friend leave a nice comment or some five-star ratings, etc. And we'll see you next time.